welcome to Raceroo Radio. My name is Ryan Painter, and outside of my family, my two biggest passions are racing and fitness. In these episodes, I like to talk about fitness ideas, stories, and concepts that can hopefully reach out to people and give them some ideas on how they can start or continue their fitness journeys. I aim to get people more active off of their phones outside and enjoying life instead of sitting inside on their couches watching TV leading unhealthy lifestyles. I will also sometimes talk about racing. Most of the time we're going to be talking about NASCAR because I love NASCAR and I've been in the industry since 2007, but sometimes we'll also talk about Formula One and maybe even some World of Outlaws or some other series. And heck, sometimes I might even throw in something that's off of those topics just because I feel like I want to talk about it. I can't wait to get into this episode, so with that being said, let's get started. What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with Raceroo Radio. Jordan's on the other line. I say it like that because uh, go watch any YouTube video ever. Just anyone. I mean, it doesn't matter. Random. Just click on one. That's exactly how they open it up every single time. What is up, everybody? You know, maybe I'm just being simplistic here, but it kind of gets on my nerves. It's the same thing that I've watched fishing tutorials. I've watched karate tutorials. I've watched racing videos. I've watched freaking Pokemon stuff. I've watched other video game stuff. It's always the same thing. What is up? Can we please be a little bit more original? Hey, sometimes it's, hey, what's up, guys? Hey, hey, what's up, guys? It's like, and subscribe to my channel. (laughs) (laughs) Before I tell you anything about the video that I already put a title about. Right, right, right. Uh, well, we're, we're not, we're not, I mean, sarcastically, obviously, I opened it up like that. We're not going to do that. We're Racer Radio. We're here for fitness, racing, and other stuff. And we've got some other stuff in here that I forgot to tell Jordan beforehand that we should bring up. Um, I might be kind of hanging him out to dry, but we're going to get to that one. So before... Uh, we do that, we're going to start with the fitness part, so let me do it again. What is up, everybody? I'm just going to annoy the crap out of you with that one. So, so today, for our fitness piece, uh, obviously last week, uh, well, two weeks ago, we took a week off, so we've got a lot to talk about. Um, but uh, the last time we talked about the nutrition piece, which if you can tell, I was very, very cautious in the way I said that. That, again, is by design because there's really not much I can say about it per North Carolina law. I have to be very, very cautious in what I say and how I say it because it, it's, so if it sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about, it's because I'm being very, very, very cautious. But this one I can say uh, much more confidently because I have, uh, I have built myself my own little garage gym and I know a lot of people do. Now I'm going to start with this. I, I having a garage gym is extremely valuable. I have a child coming in about a month and being able to work out at home is incredibly valuable, especially when I'm home with the kids and Jen's at work. I can still get a workout in my garage. Huge value. I still believe that the social part of going to a gym or going to uh, any place, it doesn't necessarily have to be a gym, but the social aspect of getting together with people to work out is huge. Uh, it's not said enough. So... I discourage you from creating a garage gym just for the sake of being able to work out by yourself. Um, it's convenient, but I'll tell you, I you know 
I, a lot of times when I'm working out in my garage at five o'clock in the morning, I miss uh, being able to work out with some people at the gym. So just keep that in mind before we go here. But um, so I wanted to share some things because obviously, if you've ever looked into it, especially last year, not only were things hard to find, it was impossible to go onto Rogue, to go onto Titan, and to be able to find stuff. You, uh, even if you had the money for it, um, and even now the availability isn't great with a lot of places. And then on top of that, it's extremely expensive. Like if you're looking to get a uh, setup for just a bench, a bench press, to get the stands and a bench and a bar and weights, you're probably looking at a good thousand dollars just to get out the door if you're talking about, you know, having bumper plates or you're talking about having the top end stuff. It gets expensive really, really quick. And then, even on top of that, a lot of the reason why people's garage gyms don't work for them is because it's so expensive you can only get limited things. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's great you spend all that money on the bench press thing, but you know, you have no cardio equipment, you have nothing else other than that bar, those, uh, the um, weights, the um, bumper plates, I'm trying to look for the word there, or cast iron plates. Uh, it just makes the, the variability of uh, what a lot of people seek very, very difficult. So I wanted to kind of just try to go over some of the things that uh, not only I've done, but my wife, Jen, has done. Um, she's put together some things as well that could uh, help you possibly save money and uh, maybe give you some ideas of what you can do just even for fun because uh, I had a lot of fun putting some of these things together. So Jordan, you got any ideas before I get started? Um, about doing workouts in the garage? What, Not uh, so much. <laughs> Not too much. About, uh, about doing workouts? I think golf counts as workouts, doesn't it? Well, golf counts as workouts. And, and actually, this is a great point. If you have, I mean, just in your backyard, don't undervalue just going and getting, you know, if it's golf, getting some plastic golf balls and just hitting them in your backyard or going to, you know, the local field and just hitting around. That still is a, it's, you know, you're, a lot of people would not consider that a workout. It's still good to get out and just be moving and moving your body and uh, just doing simple things like that. That's a great way of just, you know, low-key getting some, a uh, little bit of cardio in, just moving around. Um, hey, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even, uh, I didn't break it down to you yet, but, uh, so based off of my fitness pal, if you, uh, if you golf 18, 18 holes, or base it over time, it uh, it cuts a lot of calories. You don't really realize it when you're playing golf how many calories you burn. But um, the only reason why I say that is because Monday I started tracking calories again. So if you guys want to come along with my journey, I'm going to try and give updates every week. That's great, and that's that's a very good point. Um, now, when we say that, make sure you understand that uh, golfing you're you're obviously going to burn more calories. If you're walking the course rather than uh, driving in a golf cart, so <laughs> don't think you're going to burn a whole bunch of calories if you're just riding all the way up to the ball every time. Um, and uh, then also, even if you are burning the calories, the six beers you put down between the first hole and the turnaround, uh, that that's also going to uh, to not work. So keep that in mind. But yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, just being out walking around and 
you know, swinging at a golf ball is you're going to burn a pretty good amount of calories over the course of 18 holes. So that's a really good point. Um, but back for your garage gym. So here's some things and I'm actually sitting in my garage right now. So I'm kind of looking around at, uh, some of the things I've done. Um, and I, it's been an investment. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Um, first thing I want to state. So, uh, we went out and we bought a Rogue Power Rack. And so I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not sponsored by Rogue. I'm not, I don't have an affiliation with them or anything. Um, I'm throwing this out here and telling you that I got a Rogue Power Rack. I got the one that is not the bolted down version. Um, I forget the exact names to it. But now if you Google this, you can make, I've seen people make, power racks out of wood. Now the price of lumber these days, you're probably not going to save any money, but it is a thing you can do. <clears throat> and um, while it is, you know, I've, I saw a tutorial and it was less than 200 bucks. My rack cost me about a thousand. So there is a huge difference there, but um, I'm going to deter you from doing that unless you're really, really good with woodworking. And the reason for that is you can't skimp on safety. That is super, super important. I And this is the way I looked at it. Like, I could have dropped a couple hundred bucks on wood and all the hardware, but the safety part of that, about it is super important. Um, you cannot spend less when it comes to safety, in my opinion. Um, I'd rather have the rack that's I know is put together by a company that I trust uh, rather than my own um, probably not very efficient woodworking. So uh, I'll just drop that on you right away. Spend the money for a good rack that you know is going to hold up that you know is going to be safe. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, I was, I was kind of hesitant at first. There were some other models I was looking at that was cheaper. Uh, but I'm really happy with my investment in that. It's super safe. It's very sturdy for what it is. Um, I, I am absolutely, I absolutely love it. Now, if you've heard me talk before, moving on to the next thing, the biggest bang for your buck for your garage gym um, is also you can take this anywhere, and it's the TRX. We've talked about this time and time again, uh, and it's a lot of the reason I talk about it so much is because I love it so much. Um, T-Rex suspension training, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, you're going to look it up and it's going to seem pretty pricey at first. But man, you can take that thing anywhere. You can do so much with it. It's for all levels. Um, if you're looking to build a garage gym and you're on a budget, like many of us are, I would start with the TRX. So uh, that's the first thing. Now... Other little things that you can buy that are not going to cost you very much, maybe like a jump rope. That's going to help you with cardio, especially if uh, you don't like to really run. You know, jump rope can be a good thing where maybe you don't want to run or you can't run very far from, from your garage. You need to stay put. Like, like what I was saying, I have a child coming. Well, if I put Zach in the car seat in my garage, I can't just run down the road and run back and just leave them there in the car seat. So, uh, jump rope is a good thing for, to have for cardio. You can put it, you can just be right there. So that's another good option. Um, so now we're going to get into some of the fun stuff. Obviously 
you can get some things like a set of dumbbells. Um, I was fortunate enough to find a set of dumbbells. I, I knew somebody who was selling one. I got a set from 5 to 45. Uh, two of most of everything. It was 1, 5, 110, and two of everything up to 45. That in the stand I got for like 150 bucks. So that you're not going to find that deal very often. Um, but that would be another thing. Dumbbells are super versatile, and we'll, we'll circle around back to that. Um, but some other things that you can make that you can uh, just, you know, go to the hardware store, spend a little bit of money on. So now if you are into OCR, Spartan races, Tough Mudders, things like that, um, get yourself a five-gallon bucket and some sand or rocks or pebbles, whatever, and fill it up to however much you want it to weigh. That's going to really help you for your bucket carries on your uh, on your obstacle course races. Um, even if you're not into those kind of races, it's a good tool to have. I have used that for cleans, for cleans and, uh, clean and jerks, clean and presses. Um, just mimicking a bucket carry, even though that's not what I was, you know, I'm not training for a Spartan race. Um, it becomes super versatile just because it's an odd object that you can kind of uh, pick up and manipulate in many ways. And then sticking with the OCR uh, thought of it, um, get yourself just a sandbag from Lowe's. They're not expensive. I think it's like five, six bucks. Uh, get you a sandbag and some duct tape and just wrap it up as much as possible so that there's no punctures in the, the bag. Um, the duct tape's going to hold it together pretty well. And you just got yourself a sandbag. Again, uh, mimicking the sandbag carry in an OCR race. But it's just another kind of functional training. You can just throw it up over your shoulder. Um, you can carry it out in front of you, do like a farmer's walk on the front, kind of like a Zercher style. Uh, you can throw it up over your head and do some overhead squats, which is really an unstable way of doing them, but if you get good at those, you can get really good at doing it with a more controlled version, like a dumbbell or even a bar. So those are a couple things, and if you do both of those, not going to run you a whole lot of money. I mean, you could probably do both of those projects for 10, 15 bucks. <clears throat> now, this one might be a little bit more expensive, but rather than going to, uh, you know, to Dick's or one of these other places, uh, spending the money at Rogue, um, and getting you a plyo box, one of these, uh, the nice plyo boxes that they have, just make you one. Find yourself some, uh, old plywood, cut them up, and I even have one that's, I think it's, uh, 20 by 24 by 36 maybe, so you can create, uh, different size options for, your uh, box. So you can do box jumps, you can do step ups, you can do step overs, a lot of options you can do there. Now again, price of lumber these days, that's going to probably run you a little bit more than it used to, but you're going to still probably pay a lot less. Get you some good uh, wood nails, um, draw up your design first, and then screw it together. I have one over here that I just made out of some spare stuff I had laying around. And it's held up pretty well. Uh, moving on. Another thing you can do by yourself. Kettlebells. 
And this one is probably the coolest one. <clears throat> so kettlebells you can make on your own. And this was something I did last year. I was searching for kettlebells and just couldn't find them, couldn't find them, couldn't find them, couldn't find them. So what I did, I found this online too. You can find tutorials for all of these, by the way. I, I didn't make any of these up. Um, Jenny was the one who made the bucket and the sandbag. Um, so that was something she found. But for the kettlebells, go to Walmart, go to Target, something like that. Find a basketball, cheap basketball. Um, just cheapest brand you can find. So what you're going to do is you're going to cut a hole in your kettlebell and you're going to pour some uh, cement into the kettlebell. So you mix up some cement um, and you're going to fill that kettlebell up and you're also going to need, so I should tell you this step by step, you're also going to need some PVC pipe and some sand. So that sand we had earlier for the, uh, the bucket, you can put this to use in your kettlebell. You fill up the PVC pipe with sand. Now you're going to have to fit it and look at the tutorials how to do this, but basically you make the PVC pipe your handle, and once you put the cement in the, the ball that you've cut the hole in, you're going to stick the handles, the PVC, down in. You just got to form them to make like the top of that kettlebell. Ooh, I think I lost Jordan, but he's back. It's all right. I've been kind of hogging the action here for a little bit. <clears throat> so you take the ends of the PVC pipe, stick them down into the bell, um, and let it let the cement harden there, and you got your nice kettlebell. So what I've done is I've taken a small one, like one of the uh, little kid basketballs, like really, really small, and I've taken a full-size one, filled them both up, and they've gotten me a 30 pound and a 17 pound kettlebell so uh, and I use those all the time they've held up really really good um, now what you also you can do if you want heavier so the big one that I have the big kettlebell that I have uh, it is a little awkward to use even though it's only 30 pounds what you can do as well is you can take that ball or even the small one and maybe put some uh, BBs, like, you, you know, a buckshot kind of thing. Pour that in with the cement. It's going to add some more weight to it and make that bell a little bit heavier. Uh, and that's, you're going to, I think my project for both of these kettlebells that I did was 20 bucks maybe. So it was super in inexpensive. I mean, one 30-pound kettlebell is probably going to run you like 40 or 50 bucks these days at least. Um, so that's another homemade project you can do. And the last one that I can share with you right now is, uh, I just did this, uh, two weekends ago. So what I did, and I've actually got my kettlebells hooked up to this. <clears throat> I went to Lowe's, um, you can obviously do this at Home Depot too. And I got some plastic coated quarter inch cable. Uh, I got about nine feet and then I got a couple shorter strands and so what I did was I took my nine foot length and I put some uh, cable crimps on the end to make a loop and so I ran that up now I also got hanging from the top of my rack I did another smaller loop same thing I circled the ends tied them like tied them off with cable ties 
and I have a pulley that hangs from the top of my rack. So the nine foot section goes up, goes in through the pulley, and I have myself a little cable pull down so I can do like tricep push downs, I can do uh, some rows, cable rows, I can do, I can even kind of manipulate it to do some curls and things like that, just like you would in your gym. Like at the uh, the cable push down machine, I have that. Uh, the bottom of it has a carabiner, so it hooks around to a kettlebell. I can put it on a plate and add the weight that way. So uh, again, all of these projects, homemade projects, just super simple. You can look them up online. And for context, just so you can kind of get a better idea of what it is, I'll share these on my Facebook page so you can kind of see better what I'm talking about and how I made these. And then look up the tutorials and you can do them at home. So with that, I'm going to pitch it back over to Jordan because Jordan's on silent. You still got me over there, Jordan? No. <laughs> <laughs> so did you hear... I saw you were it's, having problems. Did you? How much of that did you hear? What of the like the kettlebells? The homemade stuff, yeah. Uh, I heard most of it. Okay. Just uh, there was there was one one part where it went completely out. Like I lost the screen and everything. Yeah, it 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 kicked us. It kicked our Zoom. Thank God I uh, I'm recording through the phone this time because it kicked us both and then came back on and we were both muted. I saw him yeah. pointing to his ears. So uh, just to sum up, there's a lot of things you can do and just from like you don't need a whole lot of things for your garage gym. Um, the the little amount you have, you can take lighter weights, slow your tempos down to you know do four down, four up hold at the bottom kind of thing, and you can still get a really, really good uh, workout by manipulating tempos rather than pushing a whole bunch of weight. I think I'm losing Jordan again. Still got me there, buddy? Uh, partially. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, while, while we're on that, I'll toss in another little thing. I've been teaching my... I've been telling this to my classes this week. Um, so... One thing that I, I was sharing with them is I noticed uh, in class we wear these heart rate monitors. They're up on the screen. It's super, super neat tool to have. It's really cool to see where your heart rate's at, kind of get an idea of the exertion you're pushing through a workout. Um, one of the things it also shows is calories burned. And you can get this on your heart rate monitor. You can get it on your watch, which is a little less accurate. Um, you can kind of see these, like we talked about this on your cardio equipment, and it's good tools. A lot of them are super inaccurate, we, as we've talked about. They're good tools, and they are good motivators sometimes. Here's what I want to, you to take, and if you're coming to take in one of my classes, I think this is super important. When you come to a class, a Group X class like this, focus on coming and having a good experience. Um, focus on moving your body, manipulating your body, um, uh, expressing yourself through the movement. You should be leaving the class feeling good about the workout. What I don't want people, and I've seen people do this, they fall into this trap of how many calories did I burn today? How many did I burn today? How many did I burn today? I need, like, I'm trying to lose weight. I need to see how many calories I burn. I needed to burn more calories today. 
And that's what you tend to see. You see people get kind of upset because I didn't burn enough today. I didn't get burned enough today. Uh, my advice is try not to fall into that trap. Um, just remember that most of the things that are counting your calories are overcounting by a lot. And um, falling into that trap of being super concerned about how many calories you burn in a workout, it, it ends up being very discouraging over time, especially when you do the same class over and over. You get better at that class, and so your body gets more efficient. It's harder to burn that same amount of calories all the time, especially in super cardio-based classes, which a lot of them are. So my advice to you, don't worry about the, car the calorie burn as much in the workout. Go have fun with the class and can try to control your calories more with your diet. Use the exercise as a means of building strength. In this case, in classes, having fun and leaving the class happier. So, uh, and the, if you want more context on that, please reach out to me. I know it's kind of, it's maybe not the best description of it, but um, I give you kind of a little tidbit, so you kind of come and ask me about it later. Jordan, you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, well, with the uh, like the equipment you were talking about, uh, I was gonna say uh, you can if you want to go like super cheap, you can fill up jugs of water. That um, yeah, this is like, a good yeah. Like tea jugs and stuff that you use, you fill those up. I mean, they're gonna work just as just as well. This is yeah, um, great point. So I was thinking that when you were you were going over some of the homemade stuff you had, but, um, you know, it, it all comes down to, you, you got to stay committed even when you're stuck at home. Like, I mean, the pandemic really stuck us at home or like with you, who's about to have another baby on the way, you know, you got to stay committed to being able to go to the gym or continue your workout. And having a home gym is just something that's really, really good for you. I guess you could say. Yeah. To, to cycle back, that is a great point. Um, actually, Jordan makes a really good point that I was kind of overlooking, to be honest with you. Um, sometimes if you don't have the equipment, you just literally don't have it, just using what you have is a great point. If that means filling up water jugs, that is a great idea. Um, if you don't have bands, bungee cords can work pretty well. Even last year, um, when I was training for Murph, I didn't have a weight vest at the time. I took my one of my backpacks, like my hiking backpack, and I stuffed it as full of tools as I possibly could. Use what you have available. Um, you know, we, we've uh, evolved <laughs> over time. It's just in more recent times that we've uh, become freaks of nature because of all this equipment that we have. But I promise you, back in the day, we didn't have the same resources, and we still had people that were pretty daggone athletic. So... Um, use what you have if that even if that means you know just literally picking up your kid you know we talk a lot about doing functional moves like cleaning presses uh to be able to lift your kids up well use your kids literally pick them up and push them overhead you know you're doing uh two things at the same time you're having fun with your kids they're having a good time and you're getting a workout um I'm Jordan's giving me the finger. Yeah. Just just the pointer finger. Yeah, because I'm 
I don't have good connection right now. Well, Jordan, I hear you just fine. So, do you want to go ahead and try to try to go ahead and give the dirt spiel? Yeah. So, uh, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> I figured I'd uh, start the dirt section off the same way you started off. But hey, so we got a lot of dirt news to try and uh, catch up on. Um, so I'm going to try and make it as quick as possible because it's a whole heck of a lot. Um, so we're going to revert back to two weekends ago when the World of Outlaws were at Bristol. Awesome race, really fast. Um, so 17 drivers in time trials were under the old track record. Um, so they were boogieing. Um, 10 of those drivers averaged 140 miles an hour around Bristol. So I don't know if anybody knows, but that's kind of boogieing. Um, but to get on with it, so Sam Hapertit set the new track record at 142 miles an hour average. It was 13.3 uh, seconds around Bristol. But uh, David Gravel got the last lap as he won both of the races that weekend. Um, he got lucky on Saturday night, but I mean, hey, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. Um, then we're going to jump to this weekend with the Outlaws uh, this past weekend. And all you need to know is Brad Sweet, again. Um, this guy, all he does is, is win. Um, he won at Jacksonville, Indiana, and he won both return races to I-70. Uh, I believe that's also in Indiana. Um, but there was some uh, was some tempers flying at uh, Jacksonville, Indiana. Uh, Aaron Reitzel and Wayne Johnson uh, ended up. So they actually didn't get into a fight at Jacksonville, Indiana, but they ended up making contact at that track. But uh, so the next night at I-70, before the races even started, they ended up squaring up and fighting each other in the pits. Um, so it was pretty cool to see some drivers having some emotion. Um, but I don't know if anybody landed a punch, but they were swinging. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, going to jump to the all-stars and the all-stars uh were off two weekends ago so we didn't have to worry about anything that they were doing but this past weekend they got canceled at lernerville um which was a friday night then saturday they were at sharon speedway in ohio and justin peck picked up the win there and then after that on sunday they were at tri-city um, which actually is in Pennsylvania. It's the west end of Pennsylvania. Um, Sam Hapertit picked up the win there. Now we're going to move to local uh, local news. Two weeks ago, Tyler Ross picked up the win at Lincoln Speedway, and this past weekend it was Chad Trout. Then at Port Royal, two weeks ago, Steve Buckwater picked up the win, and this past weekend it was Anthony Macri. And then two weekends ago, Lucas Wolf won in his family-owned car, not the all-star car that he runs, um, but he picked up the win at the Grove, and the Grove was canceled this past week because we had very, very strong winds, um, practically blew us off the highway when we were going up to go camping, so it was not a fun time with that. Um, and then two weekends ago, I got some more news on Brett Marks, which I'll come here and I'll bring up here in a second. But he picked up the win at Ceilings Grove, and then this past weekend at Baps Motor Speedway. So Brett Marks was in the five CJB Motorsports car, 
And after the All-Star weekend at Port, he informed the team he would be leaving the ride to go elsewhere. Um, and he actually went back to his own family-owned car. And lo and behold, he's won two weekends in a row after he was struggling in that five car. So maybe it was just something he needed to do, but it's been working out for him so far. Um, so the World of Outlaws are at Eldora this weekend um, for two nights, Friday and Saturday, and the All-Stars are off. Um, I don't know if we're going to get any racing up here because it's supposed to rain every day up here. So I highly doubt we'll get any racing. But the World of Outlaws come in next week, and you know I'm going to be there Wednesday night when they come to Lincoln because uh, he's going to shut them out, I hope. Um, but uh, the last news which I have for the local dirt scene um, just happened recently. I think it was Monday. Um, Kerry Madsen stepped out of the 24 car uh, for Barshinger Motorsports. Um, he wanted to move – well, he lives in Knoxville, and he's been away from his family for a while living up here in PA. Um, he can't. He said he didn't want to be at both places at once. He wasn't getting family time, so he decided to step out of the ride. He's going to run Tony Stewart's 14 at Eldora this weekend, and then after that, his plans, I think, are just to run Knoxville. Um, so we're on pins and needles trying to – figure out who Barshinger is going to put in his 24 for the outlaw races this coming week. Um, I've, I've heard a couple people throw some names out there. Um, me and my buddy Davey were thinking maybe Gerard McIntyre Jr. Um, he's one of the wild card drivers out there right now. But I threw a name out that I don't think anybody's kind of expecting. But if I had to look at it from my point of view, I would think that this would be a good one. So, as you know, I'm a huge Brian Monteith fan, and he retired this year. And because the World of Outlaws are coming to Lincoln and Central PA, I figured, who other would you want in your seat at Lincoln than Brian Monteith? The, I believe he's a 10-time track champ there, or close to it. So, if uh, Barshinger would hear this, which I don't know if he would, Brian Monteith's your guy. But... That's what that's what's going on here in the dirt world. So uh, I'll let you know as soon as we get an update on uh, who's in the twenty four car for Barshinger Motorsports. All right. So we got we got two weeks worth of uh, racing, more racing to talk about. Um, we're just gonna run through some uh, some things real quick. Um, first of all, uh, apparently after last weekend, Norm Benning's truck not his race truck his uh his like hauler truck was stolen i i feel like this is not the first time that this has happened to norm bending so um he was kind of stranded in kansas for a little bit but apparently they've gotten that straightened out uh doesn't sound like their truck is going to turn up so but again that's the the street truck the one that pulls the hauler because they, uh, they use like a big dually or something like that to, to pull their stuff. So, um, again, I, I feel like this has happened before. It's <laughs> um, I know it's happened to Mike Harmon before, so maybe that's where I'm getting it confused by. But uh, it Definitely it's happened to Mike Harmon. <laughs> it's, it's happened to Mike Harmon a couple times. Um, so uh, there's that. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is not doing so hot in IndyCar. We'll just we'll leave it at that. He's not. 
which again, this is, NASCAR has nothing to lose if Jimmy doesn't do well. But if he does well, that NASCAR has a bunch to gain. So um, he couldn't put the car in reverse. <laughs> he couldn't put it in reverse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get, let's give him some more time because these are different cars and everything. But, ah, oh, man. And <laughs> reverse though, he couldn't put it in reverse. Oh, uh, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. I just I don't have anything else to say on it. I just can't. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton wins the Portuguese Portuguese Grand Prix, and uh, you know, yeah, so shocker there dominates. Now, so here's the thing: um, it is going to be a good battle between first and second. I think Botas is going to be he's just going to be third. He's going to be solidly third. Um, it seems like Max and and Lewis are com actually competing this year, but the real battle is behind it, man. From fourth to about. 10th or 12th, man, really good. Shakes up all the time. This time, Sergio Perez, who is, like, you just got to love the dude. I was so excited when Red Bull signed him. He finishes fourth. He's showing that uh, Red Bull made the correct choice there, um, which I hated for Alex Albon. I didn't even realize. I kept looking and seeing ALO every week, and I'm like, oh, Albon's in the... Whatever. Ashton, I don't mean I can't even hardly keep up with that anymore. That's not Albon, that was Alonzo. Albon's like uh the he's still a backup driver for Red Bull. But Ouch. I, that <laughs> that new guy, like that, Pierre Gasly's still driving for Alphatari. I don't see why Albon did pretty good. Even in the Alphatari. So uh at the time Toro Rosso, I believe he was still driving him with Toro Rosso. So I'm a little surprised that uh, Red Bull brought that uh, the other guy up to to be in the Alphatari. I thought Albon was doing a pretty good job, but that's the politics of Formula One. So, you know. What do you think about uh, Roma, Roman Gojeron? Or I rolled. I, I I rolled hard. He's I, uh he's driving Lewis's Hamilton Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes. Well, so I I questioned that at work to, and and was like, what is this crap? Apparently, it's just a free test. Mercedes has nothing to lose, and it gives Grosjean a chance to kind of... Bye-bye, Botas. Like... Oh, my God. Uh, okay, look. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I am pro NASCAR 100% over, uh, over Formula One. I, the, I really lost a lot of faith in Formula One. When George Russell was put into Lewis Hamilton's car last year at, I think it was Bahrain... And he yeah. goes out there and dominates the race. He wins that race if the craziness doesn't happen there towards the end. He wins yeah. that. He wins that race if he doesn't have the flat tire after the craziness. After the, I think it was a safety car. He would have won yeah. that race. He's never had a top. He's never had a podium. I don't think he's ever finished in the top like six. I, I don't even know if he has a point. I think he was like a big deal when he almost got a point and then he had like a flat tire. At the end of a race last year. The dude's never had a point. And, and he almost went out and dominated a race. Like, and, and no offense, but this is... This goes back to what I've been telling you 
I mean, I know Lewis Hamilton's a good driver, but it's Mercedes that does it. Oh, for sure. And it's just, you know, Jimmy Johnson with, with Chad Knauss and Hendrick being strong is the reason that they won five championships. But you can't ignore the fact that Lewis Hamilton's a great driver, Jimmy Johnson's a great driver. You can't ignore those things. But it's just like they're the best driver in the best equipment, and they dominate. But when it's, I mean... But Jimmy Johnson couldn't put the car in reverse. <laughs> If but he's still driving a different car that he's never driven before. If let, let, let me put it this way, let me put it this way. Okay, if Anthony Alfredo jumped in a Gibbs car, no. If if Anthony Alfredo no. jumped in a Gibbs car, if Quinn Half jumped in a Hendrick car, no. And Tom no. had a, a race, NASCAR would lose so much credibility. No, like, you're losing. <laughs> You're you're losing your mind but, right now. But that's what happened. That is what happened. For for real, that is one hundred percent what happened. And I have nothing against George Russell, but it just goes to show how it goes to show how bad Williams is, for one. It also goes to show how good Mercedes is. Like I, I get the point you're making, but you might want to pick different drivers. No, that maybe I think like, maybe Chastain, like you put him in one of the, the top cars. I don't think anybody would be surprised if Chastain went. I think I think Chastain being in a Gibbs car is showing how un, how overrated Gibbs equipment is. Um, I yeah. mean Ganassi. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, but yeah, let, let's move on because we're we're closely approaching 20 minutes out. For so, let's go to Talladega. Talk about that race. So first of all, the Xfinity race. There wasn't much to talk about. They barely got past halfway, and uh, the rain comes out. Um, had had Which a couple. First win. Jeb Burton gets his first win. It was super cool. It's to see the emotion on that dude. It's I still don't think of Jeb Burton as being a veteran driver, but Jeb's been around since I mean 2014, 2013. Part time, hasn't it been? He's been a, a lot of a lot of it. He's been part time, but he's been around since 2000. Yeah, he's 2013 because I'm pretty sure he was at Turner when I was still yeah. doing Eddie Sharp trucks and things like that. So so yeah, he's been around for quite a while. And yeah. uh, just, you know, he's never really, I mean, Turner was a good deal for him, but even then Turner was, you know, they were they were pretty good. I would never say they were like KBM, but they, they were good. They won championships. Right. So, and he did compete. Um, he just never was, I think he was good enough. He was just a little too brash, too young at the time. But over the, over the course of time, like, he shows up and he... He does run well, you know. He's had just some bad luck. He's been forced on some part-time deals. He never really gets the connection he needs. You know, he was he was on a, uh, the RP, the Richard Petty Xfinity car there the one year before they right. shut it down. Like, uh, dude just really hasn't had a whole lot of s- solid foundation after the, he, the Turner deal went away. So it's good to see him not only get the opportunities he's been given, but to, to see him uh, win a race and then to see the emotion fr- from getting it done. So uh, congratulations gotta, to him. You got to hand it to Colleague Racing because, I mean, they find ways. I, I don't know if I'd say they're a superstar team, but they find ways to do it. They're definitely improving each and every year. That's I, I just yep. got to give it to them. I don't know about them jumping to the Cup Series next year, um, road courses will be in their favor if it's Almendinger, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I would imagine that's going to be Tift. Uh, not Tift. Uh, Haley. 
I'd imagine it's going to be Haley because he's been he's kind of been their guy. And you look, yeah. they, their super speedway package is phenomenal. Haley right. is, you know, they have shown up. And, and I'll be honest with you. So if you don't know, Colleg got their start really as uh, they were really aligned with um, TriStar. And Blake Cook was driving their car at the time. It was the eight car several years ago. Uh, matter of fact, I was pitting that car, almost won with them at Road America, did win the next year. Just uh, throw that out there, or two years after. But um, basically what ended up happening is um, Matt Colleg, I think that's his name, split off. Like he, he was working with TriStar, and eventually he decided he would be better off running his own deal. Well, it's turned out pretty well for them. And they've yeah. they've shown they can get it done in the Xfinity series. They've competed. They've won races. They're dominating the road court or the restrictor plate races. Um, they're competing for championships, and I think it's a good. I, I think it's going to be perfect time for them to jump to the Cup series because of this new car. You know, everyone's going to be in the same boat. It, they're going to be on about as level playing field as they could possibly be. It's there's really not a better time for them to do it if they're going to. And I think that. If anybody has a chance to jump in and, and succeed, they're going to do it. So, um, but again, yeah, congratulations to Jeb. Congratulations to colleague. I have some friends over there, and, and it's good to see their success. So we're going to move on to the cup race, which, other than the fact of uh, a car going sailing through the air, I thought was rather tame for a Talladega race. What do you think? I, I think you're right, but I also, you know, I my my whole deal with this is, like, with Joey Logano's wreck, like, they always start bashing it after they wreck, but, bef- like, if they win or they have a good finish, they're like, eh, it's just, you know, how we have to race here, you know, it sucks, but it's how, it's how we have to do it. But then when they flip, which I don't know if you've seen his car, the bar was very close to his head, and he said he was close to being a Ryan Newman. Yeah, but I think after that they just kind of all were like, "All right, let's settle down," and it was just kind of like I don't know. Sometimes I feel with restrictor plates, it's too single file for too long. Yeah, well, and so I think I think some of this, if you watch older races, I think this package. I'm gonna credit Dale Jr. with all he's saying. I think this package is is just not very good. Um, it's yeah. very exciting for the fan though so it, this is this is kind of one of those deals where we gotta evaluate it here because the runs i mean you see these guys and the third car in line is running half speed yeah the lead car is mashing the gas the, the third car in line if he mashes the gas he gets such a run and so this is what this is why and it it's it was rather tame everyone kind of minds their p's and q's for a while because they know what can happen and uh Getting down to the end of the stage, everyone gets dicey, and we had a couple wrecks at the end of stages. And other than that, um, other than Quinn Health running out of the little bit of talent that he doesn't already have, um, <laughs> there wasn't – there was that, and then, then there was Joey's wreck. And other than that, it was the end of stages, the end of the race. And even those wrecks, we didn't really have that big no. wreck. It was just Joey's wreck was a big wreck in and of itself. But this this package with this the big ugly spoiler. I, I'm I'm on junior side with this. Let's get rid of that thing. It looks terrible. Um, creating all this drag 
that that these cars are creating, man. And, and you know, I don't know the technical side of the car. I don't know what's going to make the runs come a little bit slower. But man, these guys just the run comes so fast, so quickly. And to, this is actually a lot of the reason why Matt De Benedetto lost this race because the runs come so quick. It's hard to to. It's just hard to see it. You blink yeah. and they're there. And right. uh, so. Uh, I heard a lot of complaints about the length of the race and, and everything. Like, look, it these races are marathons, man. Like, it's it's yeah. not a Saturday night short track, and if you want it to be, then the TV deal is going to be crap because no TV company is going to want to spend the money for two hours of racing. It's just not going to happen. we got to yeah. keep some kind of realism about it. I understand that these guys run single file for a long time. And, yeah, because you know why? Because you you see what happens. you got to be there at the end. Yeah, you see you know, what happens. At any time, these guys can wreck. So, and that's why what, everyone runs single file. You know what Bubba Wallace's onboard looked like, though? It looked like did he stained his pants. Well, did you ever see Bad Boys 2 when they're going across the bridge and they're throwing <laughs> cars at him and the car flips over it? And Martin <laughs> Lawrence is hanging out the window and he's like, Oh, did you see that, mother? <laughs> you know? And then Will Smith's like, Oh, that will fuck it up my butthole. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was – so first of all, let me explain to you how I watched this wreck. So that day during that race, that's when I was the, – the cable, the pull-down that I was talking about earlier, I built it on that day. While So um, my spoiled little butt, I have a TV on a tripod that was in the garage. I was also running up and downstairs. I was working on Zach's room upstairs as well. So when I go upstairs, I bring the race up on my phone. I come out here. I had the race on the TV so I could watch it like that. Well, on my phone, the race was way behind. So I'm upstairs, I'm watching, I come downstairs, and so I'm watching on my phone, and they're just coming off of two, and I look up at the TV, and they're already showing replays, and so I'm like, what is, what happened, what happened? Oh my god, Joey Logano just went upside down. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was kind of wild. But I got a beef to pick. All right, with Jeff Gordon. <laughs> because a lot of people complained about Daryl Waltrip and how well Jeff Gordon was doing and how crazy and off the wall that Daryl Waltrip was and this and that and the other thing. There, so, there have been... Now, I used to not watch the races. Remember, I used to be there. So I'm listening to Jeff Gordon talk, and I'm just like, did, did this? is this the same guy who was the four-time champion? He's talking about uh, that wreck and how... The air just caught Joey's car and turned it over. No. 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 And he mentioned something. I'm pretty sure he mentioned something about Newman's car. Like the same thing. That when these things turn around, the air just catches and flips them over. And to be... There is an aspect of that, yes. But watch the video. Watch Newman's wreck. Watch uh, Joey's wreck. Neither car goes over until somebody else hits them like did you see the big damage on ricky stenhouse's car yeah my pick that i picked for that that was a big slap in the face but the, the joey was grounded that thing was on the ground until he got hit by stenhouse and that pressure on that part of the car is what flipped it over so yeah i can understand how joey drew a line drew a comparison with ryan newman there because guess what it looked very similar it just was a it was 
the after initial takeoff was slightly different because of... He didn't get his door blown off. Well, he didn't get his door blown off. But Joey was miraculously, because the whole field was coming right behind, but... Right. Just the, Joey was going into three, which is different than the banking going into the tribal at Daytona. So it, it ended up being two very different looking wrecks. But, I mean, yeah, I give Joey some credit there. If he would have gotten door slammed, it would have been really bad. But yeah. these cars are taking off when they get hit. Not it, This isn't like years ago with Rusty Wallace when the car caught air and lifted off. We've done pretty good with the cow flaps and the roof flaps. And so that doesn't happen. Well, when these cars get hit from like the wheel well back, or really the wheel well seems that where it be, where it seems to happen. They get hit in that left rear wheel well, and it turns them up. And so you know, in Newman's, it was he was kind of going the other way. He's going towards the outside wall, and it was the right rear. But that's how it got turned. Like it got hit in that. It was getting pushed on that back section, and it turned it over. So you know. But there's been several. I, I'm gonna have to start counting these ones on Jeff. That I'm just like, he says he's. I think there was one thing he said. He he said, called a driver. He said it was such and such driver. And I was looking at it on TV like, who? He said, he said it was Chris Busher was on the screen. And he's like, there's Ricky Stenhouse. It was it was something like that. I was like, but this one it wasn't even the same color. I was like, how much are they paying you? Because I I think I could do pretty good at this. Um. But you know, I think I, maybe he's under pressure because Clint does a very good job in the booth. Let's be honest. Clint, Clint, Clint is making that booth right now. I'm, I'm I sorry. miss Clint being at Stuart Haas, and you know I, I like Chase Briscoe too. Like I don't think of it like that, but having Clint at Stuart Haas was it was a cool deal having him on board. Um. So, but other other than that, I thought Talladega was Talladega. The the massive car pileups weren't there. There was a couple big incidences. Bubba gets a stage win, which was a big deal. Um, and other than that, just it, even the wrecks that happened just weren't that big, you know, other than Joey's. So I thought it was rather tame for what we've had lately. We had Stuart Haas actually returned all four race cars, which was amazing to see. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, so we'll move on to Kansas now because um, we're running close on time. But, uh, look, the truck race was a wreck fest. Haley Deegan almost ran out of there with a top ten. Congratulations to her. Um, uh, That's her first time on a track that she's been back to. Yeah, she did a good job. Oh, how about Bailey Curry? I didn't didn't get a chance to see the truck race at all. He was running in the top ten for much of the race. He took over Brett Moffitt's ride when Moffitt – so Moffitt declared for the Xfinity points. I did hear that, yeah. And uh, so, for whatever reason, he's out of his ride at Nice. Yeah. So, um, Bailey Curry came in, and Bailey's one of those guys who's usually on a backmarker team, and he ran really good all day. He ran top ten, and just unfortunately there at the end, their pitch strategy was to stay out, and they got swallowed up. Kind of looked like Kyle was going to fall victim to the restarts there, Um, and then he ends up going and winning. Um, and then on Sunday, can can we just again say that Denny Hamlin? How, how did this? How has he not won a race yet? <laughs> but 
that, but this was Kyle Larson. This race. this race ended up being Kyle Larson's to win, and he he seems like he's gonna be one of those guys that it's just, oh, it's gonna be like this all year for him. He's gonna have really good cars, and you know, I, I would argue that Kyle has been more dominant than Denny this year in in results. Right. In, in in overall, like Denny has led a ton of laps, but when it comes down to the end, Kyle has been there so much of the time. But uh, you know, hey, the the restarts played out in Kyle Busch's favor this time. Um, he sweeps the weekend, and it goes to prove the point again. When Kyle runs the trucks, when he runs Xfinity, when he has practice, he's better. He's better. He ran good all day. He wasn't the best car. But he was there at the end and adds a 10th winner out of 11 races. So uh, I don't feel like there was a whole lot to take out of this race other than the caution flag for the the tire. Now, I'm going to say I'm on the side of I understand why they waited to throw the caution. And I don't have much sympathy for the 17 because after about two or three laps, you saw that NASCAR wasn't going to throw the caution. Even I think they should have, but you saw that they weren't going to. And you stuck to your guns on your strategy, which was similar to the strategy you already ran. I don't have sympathy for you. It, it's you after two or three laps. If you were going to make that call based on that tire, you should have known better. Well, listen, you know I I, I hear your opinion on it, but I, I'm I'm like this. So where the tire was, NASCAR originally came out and said that it wasn't necessarily a safety hazard. So. They were, they were going to let the pit cycle go through. But this is where it, it gets to be a little aggressive. So they waited, from the time that tire went out, they waited 15 laps for the 17 to pit. Then once the 17 did pit, they waited another two laps to throw the caution. And let's be honest, this completely changed the whole outcome of the race. Because yeah. Kyle Larson, if they don't throw that, that, that caution... Kyle Larson is going to win, hands down. In, in my and opinion... Ca- cautions breed cautions, and we've seen that. Yeah. That's what happened. In my opinion, the caution should have been thrown right away because these cars, I know they, they said it's it was safe relatively where it's at. These cars go where you have no, no idea how they were going to go. Think about Kyle Busch's wreck the year when he, wrecked it, or he broke his ankle. How do cars end up down there at Daytona? It's yeah. so no. I mean, all it takes is one Quinn House to spin out off of turn four, get plowing through the grass, and uh, you know don't. And it's just it's just Looking at you too, Cody. Where all it takes is for him to go spinning through the grass one time. I mean, anybody. It could have, and they catch that tire somehow, some way. They get spun a funky way, and it ships that tire into pit road, and somebody gets hit with an eighty-pound chunk of rubber. It's that's that, it's that's enough to dent a pit I, box, let alone knock somebody's lob off. So that that's just where I don't agree with it. If you're yeah. gonna throw the caution, you've got to throw it right away. I mean, yeah. I get I get they were sitting there looking at the 17, but at the same time, like they're like, oh, we'll wait for the pit cycle to go through. But the 17 played the strategy off of the caution coming out because it's a hazard. Yeah. And then for NASCAR to throw the caution because it's a hazard. That, that's just where it, it blows my mind to wait 15 laps, yeah. 17 laps to throw the caution when you should have thrown it one to two laps in. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I think they should have thrown it right away. But at the end of the day, I don't think the 17 has a case. You you At some point, you know they're not going to throw the caution. It was the cycle that you had been doing early in the race, so it just is right. what it is. 
But other than that, right. Kansas is my least favorite track other than what, you know, it used to be Kentucky. So now I'm going to have to hate on Kansas. Maybe I just have something with K-Track. So, um, but, you know, all in, I thought it ended up being a good outcome, a good a good race. And dang it, if Kyle, uh, Kevin just had another two laps, man, we win that race. So um, we're going on to Darlington this weekend. We've got 10 winners now. That I don't think we'll hit 16, but it's going to make that, that cutoff in the back very, very, very close. We only have yeah. one Hendrick driver who hasn't won, that being Chase Elliott. But you think he's going to get a win. You'd think Kevin will and uh, Denny will for sure at some point in time. So um, it's going to make it real tight back here in the back. So um, we'll see how it turns out. Jordan, we got uh, 40 seconds. Who do you got for Darlington this weekend? Well, I just wanted to say real quick that the 41 screwed me and Davey in our pick this past week by dropping like a brick. But for my pick this week is uh, Chase Chase Elliott. All right. I got Kevin because, you know, I think we need a good run, and he did so well there last year, so we're going to cross our fingers. Throwback weekend this weekend. Enjoy the beautiful cars. Um, I already seen some of them, and they're freaking amazing. We have some good stuff coming out with Stuart Haas. So uh, we got 10 seconds, so we'll catch you later. See you next week, maybe with uh, a little handlebar mustache. Catch you later. Bye.